AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldus.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Welcome to the AI in Action podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kelly, Chief Customer Officer at Aldis International. Today's guest is Clemence Fairnickel, CEO and co-founder of Sea Search. Clemence, very, very good to speak to you today. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about your background, and then I'd love to know a little bit more about Sea Search and how it actually got started. So Sea Search is a company I co-founded in 2019. Um, it's a data management platform designed for computer vision data sets, uh, which like just helps engineers spend a lot less time handling data. But like, let's uh, maybe start with the first question. So I'm uh, born and bred in, in East Berlin. And I, I kind of like grew up more as a developer, uh, started coding very early on. That was more in the 90s and 2000s, so it was mostly websites. Um, however, then I shifted my interest and ended up uh, studying economics, politics. I studied in Switzerland and, and Paris. And uh, I always like kind of had these had these side hustles building some some apps uh, that never really took off, um, and then eventually kind of like got back into the tech world after after studying. Um, I went on to to work for Google in London in uh, Central Strategy, um, and it was a quite interesting time. It's a pretty interesting uh, unit that does like all types of uh, large scale uh, strategic initiatives um, across the European region from go-to-market, competitive intelligence, policy, tax, and you get a very good hang of um, how the company makes decisions, uh, how kind of like this big corporate apparatus operates. And uh, yeah, I kind of like got more of a, I would say a consulting education, uh, but also was very much uh, educated with this type of, um, yeah, data-driven decision-making. And this is also like at Google, I kind of like really uh, was the first time I I got in touch a lot with kind of machine learning and AI, which was then in 2015, uh, starting to get like hyped quite a bit. I was like uh, experimenting myself a bit. Like I was part of this transition at Google to AI first as a company strategy. And I kind of like developed also this this then fear of, of missing out, kind of like uh, revived my, 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 my uh, kind of intention to uh, build something myself, do something more technical. And um, I then um, essentially got in touch uh, with, with a good friend of mine, Rasmus, uh, who started to set up Merantix in Berlin. Um, and uh, Merantix is a company builder for, for machine learning companies. I believe Rasmus was on this podcast as well a while ago. Um, and I loved the concept immediately. Like essentially the idea was to help machine learning research to transition better into, into industry. And there was a cool group of people very early on still and Russell wanted me to help build up this concept. And um, I did this uh, for a while. I was working actually on one of their projects in, in self-driving then. Um, and uh, there I kind of like first got in touch with the CS search problem that we're now working on. So we're working with a big OEM and it was super interesting to see how when we were working with them uh, on like kind of actually implementing computer vision problem um, that uh, they had a very hard time dealing with the data that was coming from the vehicle. So it seemed like almost unimaginable to me that like how much manual work went into like dealing with this this type of sensor data and we built the idea to uh, create a company that would like make 
interaction with this, this type of sensor data like a lot easier and hence really improve and accelerate the development of, of uh, machine vision. Um, and then we're super lucky to, uh, to convince uh, Mark, who's now my CTO and co-founder, to join us straight off his PhD at ETH in Zurich. He basically did his work specifically on data-driven development for, for robots, pretty famous lab of, of Roland Siegward, spent some time in Berkeley. And he was like super excited to build something around this because he was feeling this problem firsthand and like uh, felt that uh, there was a very worthwhile activity. And uh, we, he, he joined in and uh, we started CS Search in uh, mid-2019. And uh, here we are. Tell us a little bit about how the original problem that you were trying to solve has maybe changed or have, has it got a little bit more complicated or pivots or tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, I would say like uh, in the beginning, what we what we felt was like, uh, so the, the companies seem to um, know very little about kind of like all of these these type of like data that they were collecting. So there was just a huge, um, this huge assets of data that they were like storing on the cloud or in some data centers. And they, it was like very difficult to say, like, just know what do they have? Like, and it seems like all of this data was sitting just idle um, on the cloud or, or on premise. Um, and like our initial thinking was really about like, oh, we want to help, people, help the, help the and, and companies and the engineers use more of this data and retrieve it and understand what, what's in that data. So um, the, the, the core concept was um, starting to build around, okay, uh, should, we, should, uh, we should kind of like analyze this data and like create metadata around it. Um, but however, pretty soon, it became clear to us like through our initial kind of like uh, user interviews and customer conversations that the actual problem that, that, these, that these engineers had was like that whenever they wanted to interact with these raw data assets, essentially the way to do it is to just download a batch of data and then look at it by hand. So um, you essentially didn't have an abstraction layer between the engineer uh, wanting, to get, wanting to work with the data and the data. Um, so we are actually very used to abstraction layers. When we think of a normal database system, we all we work with it all the time, always like something like like Google searches. So we just um, use uh, metadata or semantics to uh, look for information, aggregate it, etc. And like there's just no such thing for for um, for kind of like video data, image data, other sensor data coming from vehicles. You literally have to review it by hand. You can kind of compare the situation to um, as if you would like have a database. And you could only query like for 10,000 rows at a time. And then you have to like look through it manually. And this is essentially the reality when people deal with frame data. Um, and um, that this, this seemed like crazy. So like we, we felt like the actual need here is to kind of like create really a place where um, engineers would be able to, to query um, this type of data, like uh, so create this kind of abstraction layer um, between, between engineers and really connect them to, to raw data a lot more efficiently and have them avoid spending all of this time with the actual files. So when you look at the, the market and the views of deep learning and how it's evolved and changed, how excited about you are you about the future? I think like I'm, I'm incredibly excited about, uh, about the future and, and, and what's going to happen in, in machine vision. I think we're just um, starting like starting, we are, we're seeing like just the beginning of really the broad application of of computer vision and, and deep learning technologies. I think in the first few years of this hype, we've seen like kind of a lot of people trying it out. We've seen some um, some verticals like in, in robotics and autonomous driving where we're really at the forefront um, or in medical imaging, for example. 
Um, however, like it's only now that like really um, these things like get into a place where like they they are um, seriously considered to be used in production environments. So they're like moving to more and more companies. There's a lot more breadth that is going on, um, and, and and these things like starting to be used in on a day to day basis. So we see um, just uh, just incredible potential to yeah revolutionize revolutionize like many many different areas um, using using image processing and, and computer vision. And um, however, I think like with all of this optimism to really like start seeing where all of this is going and like it's it's, it's seeing nice to like not just like Google and Facebook anymore, but really enabling companies across the board. I think like what is also striking is that progress in 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 putting it into application has been like a lot slower than than like uh, we anticipated a couple of years ago. So like uh, we we like a couple of years ago, people thought like, oh, this is going to be everywhere in a few years. Autonomous vehicles going to be everywhere. Uh, we're not going to have doctors anymore looking at pictures. We're not going to have uh, um, quality control by people anymore in, in factories. And we see like all of this hasn't happened yet. Like we, we're getting there, but it's definitely like quite quite slow still. And uh, we, we there's still like a lot of work to be done to really make these models uh, like do um, do their job and like be as robust as we want them to be. Um, and it's it's also fair that that we have like really high kind of like thresholds for for these things that we like want the these deep learning applications to be like really really robust and like actually even more robust than than maybe like human perception because they're really giving up uh, like a certain certain degree of control um, which like then then also like is a is a higher bar for um, for for these kind of technologies and like given. The, the the difficulty of, of of developing like really really robust uh, computer vision and 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 deep learning models i think um it's even all the more important and this is like why why we're so excited about like CS search per se is that we don't spend uh, so much time on actually like handling the raw data instead that we kind of like um have the right tools at hand to really have people focus on on tuning and and building models like you putting the expertise to work and not having them uh, work on like a lot of uh, repetitive, uh, repetitive tasks, um, like like screening, screening data frame to frame. Clement, on a bigger question, you know, depending on who you speak to, different statistics gets bounced around. Eighty-seven to ninety percent of of machine learning or data science projects don't make it into production. Depending on who you talk to, it's higher or lower to, lower than that. Quite a bit of hype out there. What's your thoughts? Any any reasons why these applications don't actually make it into the world we now yeah. we now know? So I think like the one thing, like one one reason for sure is that um, using like machine learning or, or computer vision isn't isn't for everybody as of now. So it's still like why I see like there's a lot of potential as I as I outlined this. It's still a lot of people, of course, like heard about okay, there might be this this great technology is going to solve this problem for us, and then they try it out. Um, and then essentially like it's it's still a question of like is this really going to be able to replace uh, all of the kind of like other process that we have set up is this like is this um, mature enough to to really go there and then um, I think like a lot of people have like might be overly heightened expectations of, of what it can do so I think like we see a bit of a of a of a rollback of this can be like extremely helpful and extremely ex extremely great in a, in a lot of instances but it's also not for every problem eh? so that's like, the one part and the other part is like also more decided where we work and where we're trying to, 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 to help and improve this development is that um, the, there's a lot, there's, there's like many kind of difficulties that only really 
um, come up and be, become visible in in, uh, in in deep learning development and, and computer vision when um, things move past this kind of like a proof of concept stage. So because doing something on like a small and limited data set, um, like essentially like putting to, together a prototype showcasing that like something works in theory, that's the one thing. But like putting things into, into production creates like a crazy amount of like new problems. And like one of which is um, just the, the fact of like, okay, so if we want to run this in real time, um, is this just, do we have the right, um, do we have actually the right infrastructure to even to even execute this? But also more crucially, and, and where we are more active, like, okay, so if we want to do this like for real, we will need like really, really big amounts of big amounts of data. And then like the first part is like getting that data. And then typically then the second, the second big problem where, where CSRH works is like, okay, now we have all this data and then it's, people often think like, oh, it's like such a simple problem to essentially then just use all of this data. But it's, it's not the case because like for, for deep learning um, applications um, or and, and image processing in particular, this is like a very different type of data. This is like very big, very heavy, uh, very, it's unstructured data. So um, you can't just use it like this. And so people always have this perception of like, when you have the data, then it's fine. Um, but like data integration, building robust data pipelines and, and building the tools to, to manage that data, understand it, uh, cut it, slice and dice it, etc. All of this is like a lot trickier if you if you start um if you start with the with the kind of like assets that you have to put into into um, um deep learning deep learning models and there i think like there's a big gap in in terms of like um what people expect to be possible and then once they once they start seeing like what the actual requirements are to to build these these things like for real world applications then there's a whole lot more to do to kind of like really make this possible. And there's like many opportunities and, and startups that, that are gonna be built just around this. So there's more and more companies now spinning up in the space of, um, okay, like actually bringing things into production, um, dealing with the with the fields of um, how do we make this work or like really big pipelines. Um, like what what are, as, as we think about it, what are the biggest bottlenecks to actually like uh, put together like a real efficient development cycle um, and so on. And I think I think that's, that's definitely like, but also like on this kind of like yeah Gartner hype cycle like that that's also like I think it's a good development it's 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 a lot of work but it's essentially like what what needs to get done um to to put these technologies to the next level and it's 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 okay that a lot of things fail right now but now we essentially need to put the things in place to to change it and and to to build the right um software and environment to to make more succeed in the future and then to have have uh, the technology adopted more and more uh, across the board. I, I think it's it's a really good summary of what you said. There's, there's quite a few factors out of there. I, I think what I find in the market is is dirty data, inaccessibility to the data, and yes. working working on the wrong problem that doesn't actually make an impact. Not having the buy-in from senior management six months in. Why is this taking so slow? Well, it's a pretty big job to be doing, and yeah. then not being sold then afterwards in terms of the. I suppose it comes back to the problem they're working on isn't that impactful. It just it, it falls under the wouldn't it be cool snare, and that just gets a lot of people demotivated by the end of it. So there is quite there is quite a few challenges to overcome to get 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 in. And unlike a typical engineering cycle, you can't just give somebody a driver ticket and expect this to to work yeah. in a very nice scrum practice. You're you're dealing with research, and research is very hard to generate return on investment from it, and that's. That's the beauty of it uh, in, in some regards. My, my final question, where, where do you see the future of CSR going? We really hope 
um, that CR search can somewhat like change a bit um, the way that um, engineers interact with with raw data. So so we really see this like huge potential that we just talked about of like more and more um, people um, need to interact with these raw data assets on a daily basis because it's coming to more and more industries. It's starting from what it's self-driving, but it's now going in many industries. And so many people like spend so much time on this. And we really want to say, um, we want to establish like um, a, a way to to interact with raw data that's that's like native and and simple and and fun and enjoyable for engineers. And really want CS Search to become somewhat of like the standard standard gateway for for anyone building building computer vision applications. Um, say like okay, so if I have like all of these these uh, these massive amounts of frames, uh, this technology is the one that can that can help me access and understand the data. Um, a lot easier than than doing it by hand. Um, so um, and I think like it's it's a bit of a changing of of paradigms because like today um, we really don't don't have kind of like this this ability to to have um, yeah accessibility on the frame level um, when when we talk about this this raw data and we we kind of like want to establish that it is possible. It is essentially it requires some some tweaks, some different backend technology to to make it possible. Um, but um, yeah, really, really would love to would love CS Search to to become kind of like a, a, a like a go to tool for um, for engineers dealing dealing with like uh, yeah frame level data sets. Um, and I think like we're seeing some first uh, great move in this direction, uh, starting from from our, from our initial work in, in automotive and robotics. We are expanding to to drones and agriculture. And, and retail and many more industries right now because uh, we see see this problem like to 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 go uh, to go broad um, and yeah this is like really really my hope if uh, if if you are listening to this and and are interested to to learn more we have uh, also a public version on our website to 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 check it out um, and uh, yeah I'd be I'd be super happy to to chat about kind of uh, how to get how to get like larger larger computer vision data sets organized. It's a very, very exciting journey ahead. My name is Mark Kelly, Chief Customer Officer at Aldis International. You're listening to the AI in Action podcast. Our guest today has been Clement Fiernickel, CEO and co-founder of CS Search. Clement, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Andy. And uh, yeah, it was a pleasure being there. AI in Action is brought to you by Aldis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting and networking needs. Aldis offer an exec search program. Aldis can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. Get the Aldis advantage. Become a member of the Aldis community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all its members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career and more. Become an Aldis member and get the Aldis advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldis.com. That's www.aldis.com. Aldis International, empowering through AI.